With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You could follow me on Twitter at Golf Unfiltered, on Instagram as well, and you could send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. A couple quick shout-outs to our friends who help make the Golf Unfiltered podcast possible. Our friends over at thehackersparadise.com, hello to all of you who are listening to this on the THP mobile app. Hello to our friends over at Cleveland and Srixon Golf. Thanks again for keeping me in the game with all of your great equipment. I'm really looking forward to heading down to uh, Orlando, of course, which we're going to talk about here in a second, but also Arizona, where me and my two buddies who help out with the website are going to play a little bit of golf and then go attend the Waste Management Open, so that'll be fun. And, of course, to our friends over at BudgetGolf.com, go out, check out their website, look at all the great deals they have going on every single day. Folks, at the time of this recording, we are eight days away from the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando, Florida. And as I've mentioned a few times leading up to now, I'll be attending once again for the first time in probably five years, if I remember right, helping out our friends over at the Hackers Paradise with bringing a ton of great content, hopefully, <laughs> uh, to you guys regarding some of the uh, the new equipment that's been released, not only this month, but the months leading up to the show. And of course, we're going to do a couple previews of new stuff that hasn't even been announced yet. It's always an exciting time for equipment gear junkies like you and me. And it's really important, especially this year, at least for me, to think about the different ways that equipment is being marketed, the way that equipment is being released, and really how it's being priced for you, the consumer, and for me, because I'm a consumer as well. And so in this episode, I just wanted to talk about a few items or questions that I have going into the PGA Merchandise Show that hopefully I'll have some answers to. Now, as I mentioned, I am going down to assist our friends over at Hackers. You know, apparently they're going to put me on on camera, and so I don't know if that's a good idea for anybody. Definitely have a face for radio, but it'll be fun. It'll be a new experience for me, and it's going to be great, at least from my perspective, to have the chance to meet a lot of the guests that have come on this show face-to-face and actually shake their hand for the first time. You know, it's always kind of a weird disconnect uh, doing what I do here, speaking with a lot of these folks primarily over the phone or email, sometimes over social, and never having the chance to actually meet them, and so I really look forward to doing that when uh, we head down there on, I believe I'm heading down the Monday of that week, so I'll be there through Friday. One of the questions that I want to ask a few folks when I go down there, really anyone who's who's interested in speaking to me about it, is the direct-to-consumer pricing model. And for listeners, if you're not familiar with what that is, 
it's as the name implies, it's a golf brand or really any brand that takes the middleman out of getting their product from their assembly line to your front door. As far as golf goes, there are a lot of smaller brands that are popping up that follow this model, and they're doing quite well for themselves. For example, the Ben Hogan Golf Company, Sub-70 Golf, which is a smaller, upstart club club equipment company that is based in Sycamore, Illinois. had the chance to go visit them uh, last week, along with Matt Saturnus of Plugged In Golf. He and I will both be doing a, a deeper dive into that brand here, probably following the PGA show, but had a great time meeting with Jason and Jay, uh, two of the guys over there at Sub-70. But these two companies, Ben Hogan and Sub-70, follow this model, and they're able to offer really high-quality equipment that performs extremely well at a fraction of the price compared to the larger OEMs. And so the question that I have is, how is that impacting the market share, and maybe even more specifically, how is it impacting the marketing that these larger brands do? Because here's what we're seeing, or here's at least what our readers, our listeners, and what I'm seeing in the market right now. Callaway and TaylorMade, of course, are two of the larger names that came out with new things in January. PXG did as well, Cobra, of course, also. But I want to focus on Callaway and TaylorMade at least to start because these are the two names that, of course, everyone everyone looks for. You know, they make a lot of noise. Callaway with the epic flash driver designed with artificial intelligence was really the big marketing line for that. And it's extremely exciting. It could be a huge game changer, literally, for golf equipment everywhere. If you're, if you're having robots cut down on decades of planning time and development time, that's incredible. And then, of course, on the other side, TaylorMade. You know, they come out with the M5 and the M6. They've got a really unique, as I understand it, concept where they basically design the driver to be non-conforming. And then using this technology that appears to be, you know, two, two screws almost on the face, they then dial back the speed of the face to make it conforming. It's really interesting, and there's certainly some questions that that exist there. You know, obviously, TaylorMade's going to have to do a little bit of explaining and education for the consumer about how that makes sense. But either side of those two examples is really exciting. And it definitely speaks to a different way that you need to market your product. And, oh, by the way, we're going to charge a lot of money for these two things. Rightfully so. Both clubs eclipse the $500 mark. That's a lot of cash. Hi, this is Bill Hobson from the Four Golfers Network podcast. And as you and I enjoy this episode of Golf Unfiltered with my friend Adam, I'm reminded of an indisputable reality. We, as golfers, are nuts. We chase a small ball around the planet, spending thousands of dollars in the effort to get that ball into a tiny hole. We then yell at the ball and curse it when it doesn't listen, even though it can't listen, it's a ball. 
This insanity is all part of the magic of the game, and it's what we celebrate on the Four Golfers Network podcast every Monday when a fresh episode comes your way on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, you know, all the places. So after you finish listening to Adam today, I'd love to have you check out the Four Golfers Network podcast, that's F-O-R-E, where we celebrate the game with top-name guests and an exploration of the things about golf that both drive us crazy and bring us back for more. I stink! The ball is just sitting there and I can't hit it! A lot of things go into that. A few of them, of course, being all the hard work, research, development, everything that goes into actually making the product exist. Nobody's taking that away from either company. They are the largest, and uh, of course there's other brands I'm not mentioning right now, but they are the largest. They're the ones that have the biggest market share, and so they have the cash to spend in order for them to stay ahead of everybody else. Those costs get passed down to the consumer. Other costs go into that. For example, we're huge proponents of getting custom fit here at Golf and Filtered. If you're going to have your club in a brick-and-mortar club fitter, there is cost associated with that also. All of that gets passed down to the consumer. It's an understood thing. I understand why that happens. But then you've got brands like Hogan, Sub-70, Snell for the golf ball side, Vice, other brands that don't go that path. And I'll, I'll refer again to Sub-70 here because they're kind of the extreme example of the difference in pricing. They have an 839D driver that I had the opportunity to try. I'll have the opportunity to try it a little bit more thoroughly here in the coming weeks to do a comparison side-by-side, that club, with what I'm currently gaming. Not to say that one's better than the other, but rather to say, hey, look, this performs similarly in terms of n- numbers to what I'm currently playing. That driver costs half the price of the Epic Flash, TaylorMade M5, TaylorMade M6, cost about $200 less than the Cobra F9, so on and so forth. There's other examples. When I hit that driver, which is comprised of Similar technology, not, you know, from the very high level. I don't want to be misleading here. Certainly, it's not along the same lines of, you know, the carbon fiber that's being used, at least in this iteration, as I understand it, and all the development and, for crying out loud, artificial intelligence that goes into designing some of the competing drivers. But it really performed well. It gave me, the golfer, the person that's going to be at the end of that line buying that product, it gave me performance that was like, hey, pretty similar to what I'm doing right now. And what's the price? And so all of that to say, the question I have is, you know, well, how does that impact, large brand, what you do marketing-wise? There's a lot of questions there that I have. From my perspective, if I can get performance at a lower price point, and I'm not typically brand loyal, hypothetically speaking. You have option A, you have option B, you're going to go probably with the cheaper option, right? That's what most people would do. You can use analogies to any other products that people buy all the time. 
But if you are brand loyal, and there's a major group, the, the majority of golfers, I would guess, fall into this bucket, then you're going to remain loyal to whatever brand you're used to playing. You're going to wait for the next product to come out, and that's perfectly fine. A lot of people do that. As these prices continue to increase, though, that's kind of widening the gap, at least in my mind. And it's widening the opportunity for smaller boutique brands who want to offer this direct-to-consumer pricing to really thrive and to find a place within the market. Now, I don't know how much market share these brands are taking up. Perhaps that's another question that I'll find an answer to. But it's definitely causing some players, a good amount of players as far as who I've spoken with, to take a step back and to really evaluate what's important to them. Tour Edge is another brand that's doing something very similar. They're well-known, of course. They have a very... Their name recognition is there. They're played on tour, especially on the Champions Tour. But they've taken the approach of narrowing those margins, at least on their end, to still provide a lot of the same materials and technology in their EXS Exotics line, for example, to get these products and this tech in your hands at a cheaper price point. They don't go direct to consumer, but it's just another technique that they're using to stay ahead of the game, or at least attempt to. A lot of this is very, very interesting, especially in this this day and age where, you know, all these larger brands seem to be focusing mainly on getting their products in the hands of as many people as they can, especially on social. Again, nothing wrong with that. It's a marketing technique. I understand why it's happening. In some ways, Golf Unfiltered here, we've, we've benefited from that in different ways. But it also speaks a little bit to the changing landscape of how products are being marketed, especially when you consider bloggers, sites like Golf Unfiltered and others. They're doing it in different ways now. It's an exciting time because... We all know that we can't continuously operate under the same set of rules year in and year out, which is kind of ironic talking about a game like golf. But at least when it comes to the equipment and the things that are sold pertaining to the game, change has to happen. And believe it or not, change is good. And so that puts websites like, like ours in a very interesting position. We can adjust, or we could choose not to. There's benefits and con, pros and cons to both sides. On one hand, if you choose to not adjust, and you choose to not go with what the, or, the, the original equipment manufacturers want or encourage you to do, you run a risk of missing out on a really important opportunity. And what I mean by that is that in many instances, the typical test the product, write about the product, put it out on a website, repeat with the next thing that comes through the door, that model probably isn't going to work forever. 
And that's not a shot at any other websites that go that path, because there are many that are very successful at doing that. It's a model that here at Golf Unfiltered we've tried a few times. Frankly, it doesn't work as well for us. I've been transparent with you guys in the past. The products that we review on our site and the brands that we interview here on the show are brands that we really believe in, that we've tried ourselves. And when we do review a piece of equipment, it's something that's been fit to what our game consists of. And I use the word we and are, and I've done that before, the uh, the ever-present we, but the reason I do that is because we've actually expanded. You guys know if you've listened and, and read us on social, we've actually added a couple friends of mine to help with these reviews. But we try to do that because there's no reason why I should be playing better player irons and there's also probably no reason why I should be playing super game improvement irons just as an example and so when we begin to see this shift with how products should be marketed and that's an important distinction they should be marketed in a certain way pertaining to the player who fits a demographic that those clubs were designed for it's important to get the message across clearly. So to go deeper with that, and something I do want to speak to a few brands in Orlando about, what's the, what's the story behind the product that's being discussed? Is that something that brands want to see more of or something that brands want to tell to their audiences? And more importantly, I guess, is that what the audience wants to hear? about a product. Do you care about all the tech, all the development, all the research that went into this new driver, all the way from just the brainstorming session that took place in a conference room? Do, do you care about all that? Do you, do you want to know the manufacturing process? I honestly don't know the answer to that. I like that story. I can go the route of telling that story with brands that want to. But is that something that average Joe consumer really cares? Or do they really prefer to just focus on how the product performs? Which brings me back full circle to the direct-to-consumer model. If a product performs admirably the way that you want it to, improves your game, gives you something that you expect. Isn't that all that should matter? The materials that go into club into the club? I don't know. The adjustability options? Probably. But the color? <laughs> I mean, the number of moving parts? I, I don't know anymore. To me, that seems to be just a little bit more than what somebody who is walking through a brick-and-mortar PGA Superstore, for example. That might be a little bit more than what those folks have the capacity in that moment to really consider when making a purchase decision. Now, there's going to be a, many of you who disagree with that, and rightfully so. Let's drive that discussion. Because... You can also make the argument that if a golfer is ready to make a purchase, they've probably already done all the research that they need. 
and they've probably looked at all the details and they've seen and learned as much as they could before actually going, especially if they're going to drop four or $500 on a product. That's because you're an informed golfer. That's why people listen to this show. That's why people listen to other podcasts and read other websites that do similar things to what we do. That's our role. How informed do you have to be before you make that purchasing decision? And once you understand exactly what it is that you need, either from being custom fit or trying out as many drivers as possible, for example, isn't it really in your purview to go and try to find the best deal? Does golf fall into that category? I don't know. Again, all questions I really don't know the answer to. And so I really want to speak with people who work in marketing. I want to understand their viewpoint. And I completely understand if they can't tell me these things. I mean, that's kind of how business works. <laughs> you can't give away all your secrets, right? I still contend that the direct-to-consumer model is something that's going to be growing. It, it is already is. How successful it'll be. Long-term, I don't know. Ben Hogan has tried a few times. They've been very honest with me, and I don't think they would mind me saying that they're trying another approach right now. They have no idea if it's going to work. At least from my perspective, the model they were using prior to this iteration, it didn't work. People didn't want to see loft numbers. They still do it. Sure, that's fine. I think that's an extremely niche, small minority of golfers that like that, but everybody needs something to differentiate their products from others. What I do think will work, though, is their pricing structure. $700 for a set of really high-performing clubs. You can read our review of the Fort Worth uh, Black Irons on our site now. Our buddy Matt Hackett went ahead and, and reviewed that. $700 for those. That's pretty darn good. Comparable irons, larger OEMs, easily $1,200 or more. A lot of decisions that golfers have to make these days. A lot of questions that remain unanswered. And I hope to get answers for down in Orlando. Excited to see the atmosphere down there. As I mentioned, it's been a few years. Looking forward to going back. Stay tuned not only here to golfunfiltered.com, but also the hackersparadise.com to learn a little bit more about all these products. There's a long plan. There's a long schedule. I know that JB over there has got us booked. Myself, Michael Verska, who's been on the show a couple times. Another guy, Gary Code, who I'm going to be speaking with for the first time. We haven't met, but I'm interested and, and excited to work with him as well. We'll be, we'll be the ones with the, uh, the quarter zips, <laughs> as, as I'm sure many others will be. We'll have the, uh, the Hacker's Paradise exclamation point on our chest. So it's interesting. I hope you guys uh, enjoy the content that will be coming out of that. And stay tuned to at uh, Golf Unfiltered on Twitter for more information on how you can watch all the stuff that's going to be going on through the Hacker's Paradise. Really quickly, I want to touch on one additional topic that uh, is really just kind of blowing up overnight. And I, I went back and forth on whether or not I want to talk about this, but I just think it's, it's really important 
from a golf news perspective, and really more so it touches a little bit on how social continues to work in the golf space, and it's it's getting to be a little annoying. This whole Matt Kuchar story, you know, I for those who aren't aware, basically, and this is all I know, and so I'm probably going to leave a lot of stuff out, you know, I, whatever. He won, obviously, a, a tournament last year, the Mayakoba Classic, in Mexico. Won $1.3 million, or thereabouts. The way that the story goes, as I understand it, he he used a local caddy, not his normal caddy. Uh, and from what I understand, there was an agreement prior or early that week that he was going to pay this caddy $3,000 to carry his bag. Lo and behold, as I mentioned, Kucher goes and he wins the tournament. Apparently, as the uninformed rumor goes, the $3,000 was still the fee that was paid. Obviously, people disagreed <laughs> with that. Now, at its surface, yeah, that seems really bad. Can't disagree with that. What it's kind of snowballed into, though, and this is kind of a weird dynamic that's occurring right now, not only in golf, but other sports and really just society in general. What's being said on social is now kind of bleeding into real time where people are now being asked shortly after things are being said on social. They're, they're being asked to respond to something that they probably haven't even seen yet. As was the case now with Matt Kuchar. And what I mean by that is he's playing in the Sony Open in Hawaii. All of this chatter is going on on Twitter. Kuchar hasn't said anything about it at this point. He then finishes his second round. And later that night, a reporter from the Golf Channel goes and asks Kuchar about... Uh, basically just to to comment on all of this. And he says, I didn't pay him $3,000. I also did not pay him the 10%, which is the going rate for most player-caddy relationships. And then he kind of left it at that. Well, that just kind of threw fuel on the fire there, as you can imagine. Fan the flames a little bit. Here's where I stand on the whole thing. And I wrote it as much on Twitter. And believe me, I mean... When I first heard the whole thing, I had the same reaction as many of you did. Wow, that's that's really crappy of him if that's what happened. I even made a joke about it. But then, one of the Twitter followers said, you know, maybe that's not news that needs to get out for the benefit of this caddy. Very interesting point. Very solid point. And quite frankly... Let's be honest, folks. It's really none of our business. It isn't. That's a real, that's that's a deal between him and the caddy. We can be all upset as much as we want. We can sit here and stand on our high horse and say, "Yeah, you know well, no, he's a public figure. He should tell us exactly what he paid." Blah 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 blah. End of the day, it's none of our business. It doesn't impact you in any way. Take a step back, relax. There's probably more important things to talk about. If this becomes an issue where other caddies 
livelihoods are i don't even know i'm now making stuff up just to kind of uh, you know validate that why people are talking about this so much then maybe it becomes a bigger issue but even then it still kind of falls in that that bucket of you don't need to know just one man's opinion here i'm sure many would disagree with that let me know what you think of it look me up on twitter at golf unfiltered send me an email golfunfiltered at gmail.com that's all for today, folks. I appreciate, as always, you tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please go on to iTunes, give us a rating, leave a few comments if you'd like. We really take that to heart. We really want to improve what we do here. And if you like what we're doing, let us know that too, because that at least gives us some feedback to say, hey, we're on the right track. Looking forward to Orlando in a week. Take care of yourselves, folks. Stay tuned for all the content. That's going to be coming out of the hackersparadise.com as well as the Golf Unfiltered social channels at Golf Unfiltered on both Twitter and Instagram. Take care, behave, we'll see you soon.